Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Mike's not. He went to go poop. Mike. No, I was going to switch headsets out. So Mike's switching headphones. <laughs> Mike switching. Hang on. Let me switch headsets. We're I should have done this in yeah, the first place. We're, we're currently now waiting on Mike. We were waiting on Ryer. Now we're waiting on Mike. Yeah, I want to take some of the heat off of Ryer. Yeah. You know? I'm a good I'm a good friend like that. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, guys, yeah. um, while Mike's getting ready, I'll go ahead and kind of intro um, a little bit and kind of go over what we're going to talk about. You guys know what we're going to talk about. So for those of you listening... Um, we have got three of the attendees to the the recent uh, Redneck Tech production class, film class, whatever you want to call it. We never really, I guess, created a, a nice, you know, concise name for it. But um, I thought these three guys in particular, we got Jared Comstock, Ernie Edwards, Mike Kern, respectively, as, as I'm looking on the screen. So that was not in any particular order. We love all you guys equally. But um, we wanted to get these three guys on, and we're probably going to call a couple more because um, we had, I think, 15 people come to the class in total. Yeah, we had a pretty good number. Really good number. And I uh, kind of wanted just to get we, – we did a podcast that's going to air on Monday about what the expectations were, you know, what you know guys and girls wanted to learn. And then now I want to see if they learned anything and make, make the class better, if nothing else, for you guys. So um, I guess – We'll start with, I guess we'll start respectively again with Jared. Like, Jared, what, you know, I know, I know, what, what did you say that you wanted to learn and did we accomplish that? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it was just trying to figure out uh, what shots to take and then starting to take all those shots and, and making sure you're shooting enough. And then the after process of matching those shots together and how does it all kind of come together to tell that story? Um, that was something I kind of struggled with is, okay, I have all this footage and maybe I didn't really get a, you know, a beginning or I didn't really get an end and trying to plan for that. And then learning to do that, uh, those cutaways. Okay. At when action happens, it's, it's going to, you don't, you can't plan when action is going to happen. And you, if you're recording it, now you have to kind of, plan and go back and get that that take of the hunter or or the subject in your video of spotting what's about to come into frame uh, and and spotting about what what's about to happen and so i learned a ton just from the storytelling process and then the after how do you start to put that story together and making your your clips all kind of flow seamlessly together to tell that story easily easily I like the easily in there easily at the end easily what's um ernie would you did you kind of same thing for you i know you came into this you know you've been filming hunts for a little while and uh you've got bubba down there that you guys try and film together some you know kind of what was your goal coming into the class and did you kind of accomplish that goal my goal coming into it was just trying to get a structure um a lot of times bubba and i will plan and plan for weeks on what to film and how to film it and then when it comes down to it we change our minds and and just get sidetracked on a butterfly flying by or something like that and 
just just kind of lose our lose our momentum on filming something. So I wanted to come in and and just try to learn how to be better at storytelling and and just getting the shots that count. That's kind of the the biggest thing. We'll go shoot for for hours sometimes and you know not have the meat and potatoes that we need. I got you. Um, Mike, you you spent a lot of time in Ryer's office. How what was that like? Oh well, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah, I, I didn't know that my office could get that hot. I didn't know that that it it's usually pretty cool for me. Well, you put a computer in there with a processor that's almost on fire at all times, and then you put you know I think sometimes y'all had eight or ten people in there in a, a really small room yeah. and closed the door because you didn't want to listen to anybody else's computers. I can't. I can't. I have ADHD. I can't listen to like. Uh, sometimes I have to close my door when I'm by myself because you're playing your music too loud over there. Yeah. And so I got to make sure that I can focus. <laughs> I can focus. Yeah, in Clay's class, his speakers weren't working too well, so we couldn't hear anything we were working on. <laughs> we yeah. hear y'all's projects. <clears throat> yeah, it was. Uh, we're learning, guys. This is a le- <laughs> this is a learning experience <laughs> for everybody. I, well, you know, I can tell you. I can tell you what Ryer learned. Ryer learned that I talk a lot. And <laughs> I think talking a lot might be an understatement. I don't think he shut up. <laughs> um, but, no, I learned a lot watching Ryer edit. Um, I think the biggest thing that I took away from watching Ryer edit was, one, I'm a long ways off from being on his level. But, uh, two – the, the big takeaway was Ryer was really focusing the shots in on where your eye is. So when you go from one scene and you cut to another scene, Ryer was adjusting the shots or making sure that the shots. So if, if we were riding that Rambo bike or he was riding that Rambo bike, if he was riding from left to right, he made sure he stayed riding from left to right and would kind of come into the frame. He would frame up, frame it up post so that he was coming into the frame in the same areas. So your eye isn't looking at the bottom left of the screen where the action is. And then you cut to a scene and now the action's in the top, right? So it's not as jarring. Um, that was huge for me. Cause that was something I never didn't even think about that. Like never crossed my mind. Um, and I don't think it's something I would have figured out unless I was sitting there watching Ryer and he's explaining why he's doing it. Yeah. I think that's a big reason. That's something that helps the flow of an edit really nice. Mm-hmm is just keeping track of where people are looking and try to, like, shuffle their eye through the frame, you know, move it gradually and kind of show them what to look at as opposed to just shots because that's when you get that kind of jarring feeling. And that's got to go all the way back to how it was shot. You know, if it was shot in a way that you can't accomplish that in editing, then it's going to be jarring. You know, it it goes back to, you know, like what Ernie said earlier, it goes all the way back to the planning part of it then to the execution of the shots, and then the execution of the edit. I mean, it, it starts with, you know, I, I go over pre-production a lot and how important it is, and it is important. And, you know, like the Blue Stem project you guys saw, you know, that, that probably put it in perspective of how deep and how detailed things can go, but that took a lot of, that took as much time as it took him to edit, we were planning and, you know, figuring out how we were going to do those things. Um, but uh, did the, the, did we kind of put it in perspective what it looks like from, because, I mean, I think we all started in a place where we're just trying to get good content, and that could be as basic as taking good pictures. And then did we kind of put it in perspective 
kind of how deep it can go, you know, from, you know, from taking pictures all the way to, you know, a final edit, like a blue stem, you know, did we kind of, did that kind of open your, you guys' eyes as to how detailed this can get? Absolutely. Ryer went through the, he went through the pre-production and he went through that, that I notes. That's something I didn't do. I should have done that. And I didn't do that. That was, that was so detailed. Yeah, that was so detailed down to the feeling that you wanted, Caleb. Like, yeah. I want this feeling here. And then Ryer explaining why, you know, the project started. It started kind of, it started in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then it went to the beginning. Like, it started with shoot them up, kind of pull the, pull the viewer in. And then it went to the beginning and slowed down and then kind of, Ryer, I, I don't know how much of this we want to talk about on the podcast because it's not released, but then it went to the kind of slap you in the face with, uh, was it Michael saying what he says? Yeah. Ryer? Yeah. I don't, you have to talk to Caleb about how much we're allowed to say. I, I, at this point, I don't even care anymore. We can talk about it as much as we want. <laughs> okay, uh, well, good. is there a release? Like, there's a release date now. It's, well, a, a, a rough, a, like a soft release date of like August the 20th. And that's just for the first episode, so it could be another month before the fourth one comes out. So, I mean, we've talked about this because we thought this would be out by now. You know, we th- which we also thought the project would have been done months ago, and I guess technically we just finished it. I don't know if I agree with them releasing it like that now that I think about it, because everybody's going to be hunting as soon as September first comes around. Everybody's well, gonna they're hunting. gonna they're gonna. I, can't, I, can't, I think this is kind of a soft release, and then they're gonna release it again during like December. Oh, so it's. I mean. It will be out, though. You know, it'll be available for people yeah. that want to go see the watered-down version just a little bit. The version that you guys saw isn't the version that everybody else will see just because mm-hmm. sponsors wouldn't allow it to happen. But um, that's the, that, the project that you guys got to saw and that we got to use for the class was the project that we hold dear, that Ryer really, really bought into and really gave his heart and soul to, that we gave our heart and soul to for probably two months before we shot the first frame of it. Um, you know, the plan, I started shooting the first, you know, B-roll in July, and we didn't shoot that until January. So from July to January, you know, seven or six months of planning uh, that went into what boils down to just shy of an hour's worth of content um, that we shot in, you know, I guess in the grand scheme, I shot two days before we started, then seven days, so nine days of shooting between three producers and a photographer. Um, but it was a huge undertaking. It was a huge undertaking for us. And now it also, you know, I think the coolest thing for us is it shows us what we're capable of doing. Yeah. You know, now we have ideas or for some, for some other projects me and Ryan were talking about yesterday. It's like, okay, we can, we can use blue stem as an example to go after even bigger projects and even more complex things. Because if we can do that in seven days, I mean, give us a budget and give us a month and we can do some crazy stuff. Yeah, and, and I told you this multiple times, Caleb, like my wife isn't remotely interested in hunting and I consume hunting content regularly and she sat down and watched that with me and I'm not remotely interested in waterfowl hunting and frankly don't like watch, I don't watch anything waterfowl hunting, but I was immediately sucked in and she was sucked in and she's not remotely interested in that stuff, but she was she was sucked into it. So that says a lot about the way that you guys filmed it, the way that you guys planned it, shot it, edited it to have a, a non hunter that 
I mean, she lives with a hunter, but she's not remotely interested in hunting content to then be like, when's he going to send that last episode? I want to see the last <laughs> one. Like, oh, when, when can I, like, she was bothering me yeah, about it. That's so that, that says, a, that says a lot. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to general storytelling. I mean, if you tell a good story, it should people matter. will yeah. be interested in it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be involved or you don't have to have a, um, love for that particular subject already to find yourself invested in it. Well, and that just is goes even, back to just basic well, story. And even more so than yeah. that, I mean, we've been we've been in the mold of and hunting content and you guys are aware of this is just as much as I am, that we put so much emphasis on killing something that, you know, if you didn't kill anything, then nobody's gonna watch. Well, first three episodes of that, of that show very few ducks and geese get shot. You count the amount of now, ducks and geese. You know, for three quarters of that entire project, there's a handful of ducks and geese. Well, generally, to get somebody interested in a duck and a goose show, you got to kill a lot of them, and we do in the fourth episode. Got to kill all, all of them. <laughs> yeah, ducks and geese. Kill them all. You know, so <laughs> it was it was one of those things to where you know it goes back to like turkeys and stuff. And I've said for years, like the only way you know you can make a good turkey show is if you kill lots of turkeys. But now that I've diving, you know, dove down this storytelling rabbit hole over the years it's like no you don't even have to kill a turkey to tell a great story you don't have to kill a deer or an elk or anything to tell a great story you know i mean you guys have hunted long enough to know that you some of your best stories you might not have shot anything it could have been an encounter it could have been the people that you met along the way it could have been you know the place you went it could have been the time of year it could have been the the planning trying to get off work in order to even get to go is it was taking your kid i mean there's you know, you name it. The story is so much more than shooting an animal, and that's what we wanted to do. And that's the, kind of the idea that we have now of a pilot that we want to do has nothing to do with killing. Like what, we 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 are almost going at it with the assumption that we are not going to show a dead animal ever in the whole thing. We're not going to show a dead animal. Yeah, I mean, we'd show yeah. a dead animal. Well, we'd show a dead animal. We're not going to show one getting shot. Yeah, you know, that's not the goal. Like yeah. if we don't get a single kill shot in the entire thing, it doesn't matter. It's all about the story that we're trying to tell. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as, go ahead. As I'm getting into, you know, trying to do a, a lot better job at filming my hunts, and that's kind of the stuff that I want to see too is the, is more of the story. You know, it, it's not, yeah. At one point in my life, I'd argue with you till I was blue in the face about it. it's not about the kill, but now I just like, I want to see a good story. Mm-hmm. I want to see some, some pretty landscape. I want to see some people interaction. I want to, you know, just hear a good story and that's that's one thing that's hard for me is so many of our hunts are oh man we got you know the wife's gonna watch the kids real quick let's run down the road and try to shoot a hog and it's the same you know the same cornfield the same cover crop field it's 90 degrees it's hard to really build a story and like this year the hogs haven't showed up at all so we haven't had the first piece of content you know to try to build that but and that's, I don't know, that's just what I like to see now is, is more of a story. I don't really care about the kill. Yeah. Jared, you got yeah. you, you, Jared, you got to do your first. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you about your edit, but go ahead. So, um, yeah, when you sent me that first video of the blue stem, I don't know, a couple months ago, I guess. And then you kind of kept sending it. And then, and I was trying to view it as Caleb's not just sending this just to be like, oh, that's cool. Like, even though you sent it, even I think without asking, you were asking like, hey, what's the feedback there? Like, what do you, how do you feel when you see this? Like, how do you, 
react? Like, what does this make you want to do? And I was kind of trying to look at it from that perspective, even though you didn't ask those questions. Um, and I gave you the exact feedback. You're like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm like this, I know nothing about waterfowling. Um, I, I know a lot of people that do it in Georgia. I have a lot of friends that do waterfowling. I, I've even said myself, I would love to go on a waterfowl hunt just to go on one and to get the experience but I'm sure as heck don't want to go down the rabbit hole of buying, you know, all the decoys and because of how expensive it gets. Oh yeah. Um, plus I call, apparently I call them wrong anyways and get called out about it during the edit. Um, especially when you have, uh, you know, Lauren, Austin and Rob that are all these water, you know, waterfowlings from rolling thunder, you know, they call yeah. you out on it. Like, but um, it was just really cool to get that. Not only did it show like the hard work of a guide, it's not just, uh, it's not just all fairy tales and hunting all the time. And, you know, they're running on limited sleep and out there busting their tail to, uh, put in the work, just like you guys are putting in the work behind the scenes, uh, to do it. And I thought it told a great story of hard work and working for those goals. And, and, uh, if you don't work, you're not going to get the same results, um, as someone else that might want that lifestyle. They don't, they don't really know what it actually takes to get yeah, uh, and I thought it was told uh, wonderfully, and it kept me wanting more because I hadn't seen that four, fourth episode. And I sat there that night while we watched all of them, even though I'd seen those first threes, because I wanted to see the kills because I was already like invested. Yeah, uh, because it really it built up to that final yeah, episode, that, and that was kind of the goal. Is like, okay, if somebody watches, if they if they sit through the first three, they're going to be invested enough, and you know, you know, in, in the characters and in the story and in the process they're like okay i want to see the culmination of this so that's why we kind of tried to hold off you know any of that killing until the very very end because honestly that episode i guess technically as an edit would have been the easier one of the four wouldn't it the last one uh i would say uh yeah i mean the only difficult part was just all the trying to sound well yeah there's a lot of sound design and then just managing all of that footage and trying to find the right things to go where was yeah. a lot. But yeah, as far as I guess, technically speaking, it wasn't the more difficult. Yeah. I mean, the most difficult ep <coughs> episode, technically speaking, was episode three. Yeah. That one kind of bent my mind for like two or three weeks trying to figure that one out. Yeah. Um, one was tough just because it was really trying to dial in an emotional feel. And it was the first one of the series, so it really has a lot of weight on it. Yeah, and it kind of sets the tone for everything else. And then the... Oh, I don't know. The second one, actually... They were all hard. <laughs> well, the second one might have been easier because the second one is the closest to, like, a regular hunting show in the yeah. way that it's dark, they wake up, they set the decoys, they get in the blind, and then... You know, there's some talking about what they do after. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, as far as just following a timeline, that yeah. might have been the easier one. So, Jared, you got to do an edit, you know, in the class, kind of a shoot and edit and kind of get feedback. What was the, what was your take on that? Um, Really, the when I kind of brought all the footage in and you realize really quick, either you got all the shots you need or you don't. Um, and did, did you have them all? Gonna, did you have them all, or did you not? So I had, I had them all technically, but then what I learned very quickly is, okay, 
there is one at the very end of the video. I didn't like Clay how he kind of just like left his arm dead, <laughs> like he just went limp. <laughs> and so I was like, Clay, I was like, I don't like that. I don't like. And I've learned that you have to instruct your. Yeah. We'll call it talent. Yeah, uh, yeah. That use that to too. Use the term extremely loosely in this context. Yeah, yeah. So you have to. And Clay was like, "I don't make coffee. I don't know how to make coffee." And <laughs> so I'm saying, Honestly, that's heresy. That's heresy. Having Clay, that's like having Clay or Caleb King. make coffee. It's just you can't do that. I could have made it. I would have faked it. Do you know f- how to make? Coffee? I know how to make coffee. I just don't. How? Just, just I'm not going like, to talk to another podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a saying, they say, fake it till you make it. Oh, 100%. That's what I'm doing. That's yep. what, exactly what I'm doing. I don't think you can That's fake exactly. it till you make it with coffee. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you just fake it. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets maked. So in terms hardest, of, go ahead. The hardest part on, on that little uh, film that we were working on was um, like when Clay was walking like our first scene when he was walking in, it was real bright. And mm-hmm. then the next scene, it was in the shade in that creek swamp. Or not creek swamp. I'm Florida talking, but <laughs> Florida and I, talking. <laughs> and where the creek is, uh, it was like real dark. So it was it was tricky to to be able to have it flow from the first shot into the second one being so bright and so dim. And yeah, was, it was pretty tricky to to get that figured out, and, and then and then have it kind of like Ryer was talking about, have it come from like the right to the left, and then have it coming in the screen on the next scene the same way. It was it was a learning experience yeah. for sure. Yeah, Jared, you sat in there for a long time working on sound and getting that right. Yeah, that was. Uh, you kind of realize when you're listening to the audio, and it's not that my microphone's necessarily bad. Yes, it's more entry level, but it's, it's that the, the microphone's not going to pick up those, those little things of the steps of the feet going down the gravel or the rocks or uh, the sound of walking in the water. Um, the, the faint ambient sounds in the background that you'd actually don't even listen to because you're, you're in the woods, you're being loud. But if you were actually quiet, you would hear sounds of the, of the creek. So it was really learning how to build the sound design into the shot, making sure, because I was taking the clips and asking Clay, I was like, all right, so on some of these sound clips, when you play it, it sounds really loud. And then knowing to take that specific clip and lowering your volume to where the sound matches with, you know, how much force did he really step on that puddle? Um, and, And just trying to, take all the clips you can find. And a lot of times, like you said, uh, and I know we talked about it, there's not a specific sound um, for, you know, a coffee grinder from the, from the, the, I was looking on the uh, YouTube, I think uh, library where it was free. So and that was a bike. That was a bike grinding. That was like a bike grind uh, chain grinding and how you can use different sounds to manipulate it or slow it down to make it sound, uh, a little bit more dragged out to help with your clip. And, uh, so that was the time that it took me, I think the most to try to find the right sounds and then splice them up to where they're hitting exactly on the right, uh, the right frames, uh, to match up with the story that's going on. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, and I think for, you know, a fairly early on in your edit, <clears throat> it was good. I mean, the sound, sound design is an art form. I mean, and being good at it and having the time and the patience to sit down and really dial that in and 
all the nuance that goes into this sound and that sound and layering those things together. Um, it's it's more of anything. It's a patience game, which you guys had the patience because I think we stayed up till one or two o'clock about every <laughs> night. Um, everybody doing something. <clears throat> but I mean, I know from our perspective, we had an awesome time with you guys. Um, I know Ryer had a really good time. Except for Mike. Except for Mike, yeah. Just give me a hard time all the time. <laughs> I mean, I like I mean, to did, keep it did you guys Did you guys feel the same way about Mike? I mean, did you ever just want to be like, Mike, come on. Come I was just kind of like, who's this guy that's talking so much? <laughs> Is he like part of the class, like teaching? Or? I was kind of confused. I'm sorry, that's Mike. I, like. I, I got to do it to you. I'm here for the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you guys took away, maybe like a little tip or trick that you hadn't thought of? You know, maybe maybe it could even be something simple. Was there anything that we taught that you were like, holy crap, I didn't know that? Like, was there anything that was worth the cost of admission in terms of something like that, maybe? So, I'll, I'll start. Sorry from cutting you. I like to talk. Oh, you're going to talk. Yeah, I can see talk again. You ever seen that meme of the kid in the classroom whose, like, veins are about to pop out of his forehead because he's trying to, like, say something? That's oh, been, no, that's that's been not, Mike no. for the past ten minutes. Just school, <laughs> school, completely different story. I wouldn't have been in the classroom. Um, <laughs> catch me outside. You know what I mean? Catch, catch me outside. That. How about that? But, but – um. For me, I already talked about the, like, Ryer, the way he was framing the shot, so it's not as jarring to the eye. And so when it when scenes transition, your eye is still in the same general area of the screen. But I'll be honest with you guys, you guys give way too much information out for free on this podcast. <laughs> I am, and I'm serious. And I said it when you originally hit me up saying, hey, can you help us promote the class? Absolutely, because – I've listened to other similar genre of podcasts and these guys, these guys aren't giving that information out. They give just enough to interest you. Yeah. And then they're like, go pay for our course. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about without seeing it put into practice was good. But a lot of the stuff, if you just listen to this podcast, you get that information. And that's kind of what, and that's kind of what, and I've thought about that before. It's like, how much do you give away? But, at the same time, it's like if you want to dive down the rabbit holes of YouTube and, you know, places like that, you can get the information. I, I feel like what we're teaching is not rocket science, and it's not. But there's so many things that we want to dive into that's more, way more technical, but it's so hard to do that without that visual element, without standing there and being there. You know, t- you, we can talk about framing all day long, but until you have a visual aid, it's really hard. We can talk about how to set up interviews all day, but it's really hard without a visual aid. We can talk about time lapses, and without a visual aid, it's it's really hard to do. Um, so there's, and that's kind of where we, that's kind of where I kind of not necessarily draw the line on what we talk about, but what we have time to do is we have time to do an audio podcast. We don't have time to do tutorial videos. I wish we did, and maybe one day we do, but um, I think that's the that's the value the class has is, yeah, everything that we're going to go over in the class for the most part is in the podcast. But like you said, it's it's different when you have hands-on, when you're around like-minded people. I mean, and I think the class is so valuable just for the people you get to meet um, and the relationships. Um, but anyway, uh, that's, my, that's my two cents on it. Ernie? No, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Ernie, what did what, anything that you – you know, got a hold of particularly that you're like, holy crap, I really, 
I really can use that. Yeah, the interview situation was something that, that I needed to know badly. I had no idea the different feelings you can get just from turning your head one way and have you in the frame, you know, on the on the side looking out of the frame, you know, stuff like that. I just, you know, I, I never would have got without you running through those clips and showing us. And then also, it's, it's simple, but it was I'm going to use it a lot, is when you exported the audio of the Turkey Goblin. And yes. Just, play that back in for your like your sound file that is going to save me so much space because i was saving like eight minute video clips just to <laughs> sort through to find that one good turkey gobble yeah put in another video so yeah yeah th- those two things are they, they were gold to me yeah what about you jared yeah um kind of like what uh i mean even what you guys are saying is you know a lot of the stuff and i think i said it after coming back to the office on uh, Sunday afternoon while we're a few of us were still there was a lot. Yeah. Let's be real. You know, a lot of the stuff um, people can watch online. And then I said, the problem with that is, is you don't have the chance or opportunity to ask any follow-up questions. Um, You know, you can rewind certain things and try to watch it very closely and and still not even know if you're doing it right um, because you're getting different results. Um, So that was very beneficial to be able to, follow up and okay well why did you do this like what are your thoughts behind that i mean you can watch someone like a peter mckinnon and he'll say like oh we do this because it looks cool or you know to where it was well this is how it told the story though well why do you want to tell the story that way well this and, and you can get a little bit deeper into the thought process of why you're doing certain things um and then like something that clay and i've known about histograms and everything. And I, I kind of always would go off of the LCD in the back as far as if I'm videoing to see, okay, this looks like it's properly exposed. And then he's saying, well, if you, you're supposed to have that dead center in the middle, that, that hump there. And I'm like, really? I was like, I was like, I actually don't think I even heard that before. I just kind of went off what was on the screen and if it looked exposed, I was like, it looks good. And cause then I changed some of the settings and I was like, it almost looks like it's too bright. But then when you actually get it back on the computer and you look at some of the other shots where you thought it was good, it was completely, it was just night and day difference. You got more yeah. processing you have to do and bring more details out of the darkness and the shadows uh, versus if it was exposed actually properly yeah. and not just going off of what you see, but off of the charts. Yeah. And that, uh, that's on and, camera. Yeah. And that varies camera to camera on how well they handle those shadows and those you know harsh lights and you know how much dynamic range do they have and then and then in certain situations like i like to shoot things dark I, I like to have that you know certain things you know you want them to feel a little more maybe ominous or suspenseful so you shoot those things dark on purpose you know it's for a purpose um but yeah uh yeah hit the whole the histogram thing and using metering when you're taking pictures is is something that was eye-opening to me, you know, especially the metering taking pictures was like, you know, make sure that dial's close to the center and shoot it a stop or two dark. And then, you know, then you, you, you're exposed and you don't have to, you know, roll my shutter, look at my preview, roll my shutter, look at my preview, roll my shutter, roll my preview. You know, I can, lo- I can be looking into my, you know, eyepiece or on my, you know, back of my camera and I know it's, you know, it's exposed before I ever take the picture. Um, that is super helpful and it just saves time. I mean, and you guys see, you know, especially what we're doing, you know, when we have several clients 
time is what you're selling. And the, the more efficient you can be, the more time you save yourself from staying up late doing, you know, this, that, the other thing. You know, if you if you can be efficient in the field and you can get your footage dumped, you know, when we're on the road, sleep's extremely important. So when we can be efficient with what we're doing and you can be efficient with what you're doing, what, you know, whether that's taking pictures and video for yourself, whether that is for a client, whether that's for a potential client, that time matters because um, you can't ever get it back. You know, we only get one chance at life. You know, you can't get the time back that you wasted. So uh, that's important to us. <clears throat> yeah. What else? Now, I think the uh, the time lapse was very uh, was very informational because, and I've watched, and I guess it just depends on what you're doing and how you're trying to set it up. And then I actually got a really cool shot of, you know, of what you could actually see of the Milky Way. And because I would always take my camera because I want to get as much light or I want to go as long as I can to get more light at the lowest ISO. And so I'd open it up to put everything in focus. And, um, but then I did it the way you uh, showed us, you know, having it at my lowest F stop and then going to focus to infinity and, uh, starting at a thousand ISO right off the bat hitting that for 30 seconds. And it was, I was kind of actually shocked that I was like, Oh, okay. I guess it works kind of both ways, but this actually just works way better. And it just looked way better uh, in the end result versus going back, looking at some of my other shots that I've taken in the past. I'm like, yeah, I was doing that completely wrong. Uh, or, or, or probably just not long enough on what I was had my settings for they might be right for a different style of shooting um, that you're trying to get uh, in the end. But uh, for a time-lapse starting off there, I, I never would have even guessed it necessarily because uh, I've seen so many people teach it so many different ways. But uh, that was very eye-opening to me. I'm sad I missed that. Oh, the night <laughs> the night shots? Oh, you were sleeping? Yeah, yeah we didn't do that until like yeah. 11.30 on, was it Saturday, I guess? Something I, like that? I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, yeah. You all, y'all were still yeah. here editing your editing. one-minute piece that took virtually all weekend. <laughs> all I was trying to, trying to help my wife wrangle kids. But they, were, they were wild all day. <laughs> <laughs> trying to give, them some, give her some relief. <laughs> yeah. You got anything? No? You leaned in like you had a, you had this thought. Oh, I, I leaned in because I was just tired of sitting back like um, that. It was just a... Comfort thing. Well, here's me. so here's a question that I have. So, what is something in terms of, and this is for us, you know, and trust me, you're not going to hurt our feelings. You might what, hurt my feelings. I'm very fragile. <laughs> what's something we could, you know, how the stru- class was structured or laid out or the timeline or what we talked about? What's something that you would have done different or you would have liked to have seen that we didn't do? Because I want to improve for going forward. Because we've already got people asking us to do another class that didn't get to come. Mike, you go first. Oh, you guys are putting me on. I got to think about this one. I know that's a- normally I'm quick. Um, so, so normally I'm quick. <laughs> roast I us, liked- Mike. Come on. Yeah. Roast us. I, 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 we're just going to, we're going to do what I do best and just fly by the seat of our pants. I like the way that you guys set it up with beginner, intermediate, and kind of quote unquote advanced. Um, quote, I think that was good. Quote unquote. Well, that's because I was in the <laughs> I know, that's group. why I'm, ex- I'm messing everybody, with you. <laughs> everybody in the advanced group, except for me, was advanced. Um, 
So maybe if you can hire one more guy and have like the the special education or special needs, special special Mike class, that would be really good. I think Ryer would be great with it. He's full of patience. Um, uh, I have no patience. I'm but, a very impatient well, person. So I liked. It's just it's hard to do it all in a weekend. And oh, then that's did, that's exactly what we said. I think you did as much as you possibly could in a weekend. Uh, I like the way that it was laid out. Um, maybe some more like just a little bit more structure or like structure, especially when we get back to the edit room, kind of have a like solid plan for what or a way to have people doing stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If guys are bringing laptops, maybe, maybe have some hard drives with some simple footage that Ryer's already edited. So he knows how he wants it and then kind of have everyone on their laptops and Ryer's explaining like what to do, how to do yeah. it. And yeah, instead good. of watching I think, him edit for I eight think, hours. I think what I want to do, I want to do a class, a standalone class is just editing. Like no, no infield production, just an editing class yeah. to where yeah. that is the whole focus. You're in a classroom the whole time. We have hard drives. I think that's the only way to really get to dive deep into that is you can show footage all day long. You can sit there and watch somebody edit, but until you sit down and edit it yourself with somebody going over it with you and and going back to the first thing you said is that's the first thing we talked about is we have got to have more time than virtually two and a half days. You know, we need three or four full days and that's, that's a lot of time for someone to give that's, has a nine to five job or has kids or both of those things, you know, it's, it's a lot, you know, and for them to travel from wherever they are, you know, Kentucky, Florida, you know, we had guys from Indiana, Ohio, you know, we had people from all over the place. So it's a, it's a huge time commitment and it's uh it's a lot of work for us. I mean, we put a lot of time into planning that we take a lot of time into planning the podcast and, and, and well, I say that we take a lot of time on some of them. Some of them are kind of like, "Hey, we got a question. That's would be a good podcast. Let's we'll sit down and talk about it." But that's the first thing I said was we need more time. But I think I think we're going to eventually do that. We're going to do an editing class when we get a good project that we that we're going to work on. It would make sense for us just to plan it and say, "Hey, let's put this on the back burner." And, you know, we, and we might could do that with like you know uh, the Idaho hunt that we haven't touched that you know you produced really well. That might could be something we use as an editing course material. You know, it's just sitting on a hard drive. You know, we could we could plan on doing that, you know, in the spring or the... I need to edit that first before we start handing that to people to edit. I, <laughs> you say it was well produced, and I just haven't even looked at the first bit of footage from that. Well, I'm, I'm just saying think, we, we have enough stuff that we could do that if we wanted to. So I think that two and a half... I mean, you could do it in two and a half days, but maybe like clay is, is like, so we did beginner intermediate advanced, maybe do. All right. So who's here to learn how to run a camera. All right. You guys are going out to the property. You're going to learn all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Might be too many people. It might not be as easy with only one person. Cause you had Ryer and clay kind yeah. of producing talking and stuff. But, yeah. um, I think to it, I think the timeline was good. And the amount of information that we got was good. We were just probably, I mean, you guys can disagree with me, but I was drinking from a fire hose the entire time. Like, yeah. just taking it. Um, <laughs> just taking it. 
I think the I'm sad that the listening audience will not be able to see the visual accompaniment of what Mike did there. I can't I mean, explain. I might post it. I, I post. It. I can't. I, I, can't, I, can't I can't explain it because it's it's uh, not safe for work. Sexual in nature, but I'm sure y'all can in, it, appreciate. Golly, gosh, man, this is why we can't have nice things, Mike. I mean, okay. I'll, 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 I'll just be lame. All right, Ernie, what was your takeaway? What's something that you would like to have seen or improved on? Man, it was it was like a information overload for me. A lot of the stuff, um, you know, from listening to every episode of the podcast, I, I you know, kind of knew, but actually seeing it was a whole different ball game. Um, so, but I don't know. I, I liked it. There's the only thing that could really make it better, which would be, you know, very hard to do is to do like you were talking about and do like an actual hunt, like a, yeah. a doe kill fest yeah. or something. You and, know, and I'd love, which to, I, I know I, that would be almost. An, yeah. It, well, and the thing is with that, you know, if we do that and we have the possibility in places to do that, only problem with that is, is the timing. And then it's going to take longer than two and a half days. I mean, you're yeah. gonna need. You need a week. You need. Well, I don't. I, you could probably do it in four or five days, which is yeah. pretty much most of a week. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you, you could. You, you know, say you could leave on Thursday. We do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and like everybody can leave Monday. Like we might could do that. Um, I just there's a that's a lot, and honestly, and for me, the one thing that I wish another thing we could have done, and we got to do a little bit of it, is have time outside the class to everybody to hang out and tell stories and, you know, even get to know each other even more instead of feeling yeah. like the whole time, like we've got to be teaching, got to be teaching, got to be teaching. Yeah. I'd love to have time just to sit and hang out, you know, because yeah. you're in a room full of people that are all like-minded that enjoy doing the same things you do. And I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn something from, Mike that I didn't know. I'm going to learn something from Ernie I didn't know. I'm going to learn something from Jared I didn't know that's completely unrelated to what we're talking about, but it also has value either in this job or in life. And that's where, that's the value to me is the people you meet and the information that comes with them because everybody's got a different life experience. Everybody's got a different perspective. You know, some people are going to love one thing and hate another. Some people are going to enjoy this aspect of life and you know and, and those are the things that i want to have time to do and you can't do that in two and a half days yeah <clears throat> i mean Especially. we could have pitched we could have pitched some tents up there at copeland drive oh and man lit a fire and grabbed a couple 30 racks and we could have really got to know each other yeah we could have and it i, thought, been I thought one guy did pitch a tent <laughs> yeah, josh did josh yeah. did pitch a tent Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about that. Did. You didn't? No. Josh stayed in National Forest in a tent the whole time. What? No, he crashed. He I crashed brought him. Down. I took him on the ranger camp with me the okay. Saturday night. Okay, he, so he only stayed one night. Yeah. He did yeah. stay in the tent one night. Yeah. He said he was, he was like late to figure out if he's coming to the class, and when he did, he's like, I'm not paying for a hotel room. So he just pitched a tent. He said in that night, people on motorcycles would ride motorcycles like around his camp the whole night, so he didn't even get to sleep. I just sleep in the bed of my truck. It's just, you know. <laughs> I mean, you go hard, man. If you're going to do it, go hard. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I, mean, like you, I figured we, we were pretending like we were in the wilderness, like <laughs> filming, producing. So, yeah. 
The full effect. Full effect. He had a vlog. He had a vlog going the whole time. I'm like, I'm in <laughs> Just got done with the course for today. Survivor man. <laughs> Solo. So I'm out of water. I'm about to pee in this water bottle and rehydrate. <laughs> Yeah, instead of solo hunter, it's solo producer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like hell. I did think it was pretty neat how you know we did all those product videos on on virtually like an acre and a half of land. Oh that yeah, one little spot. You wouldn't believe how many videos we've produced on that one little spot. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's the whole value that property has anymore. There's no deer or turkeys on it, so it sucks for hunting, but it looks like it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. Jared. What was your, uh, your what, dog. what was your improvement? Um. So yeah, I'll touch on kind of. I think in the day one, because I'm I, I like to take notes and try to take notes, or you know, if I can't like have my notebook out there, like trying to write everything down. I think a good thing to have just so people can kind of follow along. Maybe would just be have. All right, for TV or for commercial, you know, TV shot in. 24 uh frames a second like make sure your camera settings are on this and for youtube like this is a good you know camera settings for this um don't ever let your iso get above this uh and just kind of having like some of those notes all right you're tight medium wides you want to get three shots of this and just kind of having that maybe mapped out kind of more like where a, someone could then take it home <laughs> and then kind of almost like a maybe like a laminated card or something it's like hey this is yeah. the this is the bare basics, like follow these rules basics. and then be creative around these things and you'll, you'll be right. okay. Yeah. That's even, not about it. Even just printer paper stapled together in a pack. Yeah. yeah. Like you stole uh, my idea, dude. Notes, they can write on it and uh, circle. Oh, I got to do this. And cause even when I was out there and I was messing with my camera and I recorded a few uh, clips out there of you, you teaching and stuff. Well, well then apparently I, I did something, uh, hit it hit my big thumb wheel on my uh, 5d and sh I think I shot the framing up to uh, 30 instead of 24. So now, now I have a couple clips in 30 frames a second. Well, and that's another thing that I'll figure out. Well, if I go ahead and put those down to 24, now my audio sounds all weird. Like it's slow mo talking. And so now I got to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to get this audio to, you know, work. You and could just conform and, that and Premiere hey, want to do it. Can, does it, or does it still, still right. screw up the audio? I don't know. That's something I haven't. I mean, it. I, I've edited thirty frames a second in a twenty-four timeline before, and I've never. I mean, it just has dropped frames. But I mean, in terms of messing the audio up, it's only six frames in a second. You wouldn't think that would slow the audio down too much. Yeah, it's just really weird and how it kind of did. And so, that, but that was something like you know another takeaway of learning, making sure you're you're your settings are right every time before you hit that record button. Yeah. Um, but uh, on the editing side, I think it would be because when I kind of came back, I just, I took my footage and, and I dumped it and all right, I'm going to start editing this and then I'll ask questions along the way. And I think that had been really beneficial as everyone. All right. You take your own footage and you edit it yourself. And then uh, here's, all the tools you can use or here's where you go for sounds um, like clay did in our class and um, kind of going then clay, you know, just kind of going around and helping each person or whoever the person is. All right, do this, or this is how you kind of want to do it. Cause like you said, you don't really learn something really well until you start doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, Cause Ryer, I mean, Ryer showed me how to double the, uh, the timeline. All right. You showed me, 
well, guess what? I, I'm at home last night trying to do it and I still can't get it to do it. So I'm like, <laughs> so I have to go back and like, all right, how is he doing this? Because it's just making it all weird on my screen here. So, um, but doing it uh, like that. And then uh, kind of like what some of the other guys were saying is have a 30 second, whatever that you've already edited yourself and then taking, you know, maybe adding 10 seconds to each clip at the beginning or end. So we're not like using exactly what you did, but letting us kind of play with that foot, same footage. All right. Now all of you are going to edit the same footage and I want you all to tell me the story in your own, in your own way and, and trying to see a, like, you know, where that creativeness comes from and making people be creative, but then also, Hey, this is how we did it. You do it your own, your own, uh, do it in your own style. And then, kind of showing people how they're doing those J cuts or the different like uh, interviews and whatnot that you have, I think would be very beneficial uh, coming back and just sitting down and then making the people edit what they just shot. Um, and then one thing I mentioned, which we were getting shown it, but I think it would be good more for uh, very beneficial for everyone. Cause everyone was kind of just spread out around clay. Like, Oh, I'm going to get this shot over here. Or I'm going to get this shot right here. Yeah, and then everyone was in everyone's shot. Exactly, that's why I couldn't you know, do back mine. and forth. So <laughs> I got like home to GoPro do mine. And I was like, oh, it's ruined. <laughs> yeah, so I think it'd be kind of cool to. All right, show us. You know, you show us. Like, this is how I would establish a shot in this area first, and I'd go wide or tight or medium, and then kind of walk us through it. All right, now it's your turn. Now I'm going to be the subject and see. This is why I kept them on this side of yeah. the frame because I want everything yeah. lined up on my. And that and that was the and right. that was the that was the idea for what we wanted to do. It's just when you break that down to five or six people, it's yeah. just, it comes down to time. It's hard. You know, it comes down mm -hmm. to how much time do we have to dedicate to it. And then that and and all these things are already things I've thought about. But I, I mean, it's good to hear from you guys' perspective of, you know, but that. Some of that stuff is stuff I feel like you can learn in the edit room too. Cause every time I shoot something, I'm yeah. like, why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I get that shot? Yeah, so yeah. if you, if you already have those shots and you're explaining it and we're seeing it, we might mm -hmm. not be, yeah. I mean, unless you don't know how to run the camera, we might not be in the field cause we're seeing how we don't need yeah. to be in the field cause we're it seeing just, how you yeah. frame it. Well, it puts it in perspective of how important getting things in the field right are before you ever come back to edit. That's, that isn't, you know, that's 80% of the battle is doing a good job of shooting it before you ever start editing it. You know, there's only so much an editor can do if he doesn't have the right shots mm -hmm. and the right mm -hmm. framing, the right, you know, all the things, you know, and then it's storytelling comes into that, you know, and a, and a really good producer can hand a great produced story to a great editor and that editor can make it even better. But it took really, really good footage and really, really good production in the field before the editor can bring that to life. Um, and that's something that, you know, I learned early on. It's like, you know, if I don't do a good job, the whole project's going to suffer because there's only, you know, they, they can't make things out of thin air. They've got to have the raw materials yeah. in order to do it. And I think my commercial that I made, and you'll see it, at the end and it's because i didn't go back and get uh the shot again was when i told clay hey just leave your arm in your lap when you're bringing the cup up all right well i got that shot from the front but i didn't get the shot from the side that shows his arm being there so if i if i did that transition like it would just be completely off and weird so i had to use what i did not want to use but 
I mean, at the end, someone might not notice that if they were just seeing it and had nothing, had no idea about it. Yeah. But to me, I see it. I'm like, and I cringe every time. Like, ah, you should like, why didn't you go back and get that shot? Like that's, you know, it's trash. Yeah. (laughs) And can't go back and recreate it. So that's something I picked up. I don't know if someone at the class said it, but I picked it up in the last week is I'm real bad about this is I've got a bunch of footage and I start editing it or I see the footage just sucks. And it's like, I'm like, this is garbage. It's not at the level I think it should be at, but I'm, I'm an amateur. Um, and someone, I think someone said it at the class was you can't, you can't be a perfectionist to start. You, you have to start by making something that you might consider crappy or not good or something that Copeland creative doesn't think is great. And maybe a company won't buy it, but you've got to start somewhere. So you have to, if you're not, if you're not editing stuff because you're, oh, this footage sucks or I didn't frame it right, then you're, you're never probably going to get any better because you're not doing it. So you got to just do it, even if you think it sucks. And I thought your video was good. Um, I appreciate that, Mike. It was, it was good. I mean, it was creative, like it flowed. Uh, You did real good with the sound design, like, it was a good video. Yeah, the so, GoPro really added, added some class to it for sure. Yeah, the GoPro was no key. Longer, is that yeah. your GoPro? That is that what yeah. brought it all together? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I brought it. Glad I brought that second, that second angle, you know. That's yeah. So I mean the 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 Rambo bike one probably would have been terrible if I didn't spend at least about an hour talking Ryer into riding that bike into the creek. <laughs> um, I had already had Previous to this, I had already oh, had a near-death experience. On it wasn't near-death. I saved it because I have massive It was near-death. It was but, 100% uh, near-death. Bicycling skills. I got mad. Napoleon Dynamite says that girls only like guys <laughs> with sweet skills. And I have some <laughs> mad bicycling skills. Yeah. Because I could have died that day. But because I am so good at handling a bike and I know how to crash, I didn't die. Not not the day with Mike. I could have died that day too. But the yeah, uh, he was being a real sissy about riding it off the hump at first. But <laughs> being I, a real I pumped sissy. his tires up. I pumped his tires up a little bit. I told him how it was. That's going to tie the whole thing together, and it really does. It really does. It's like two of my shots made it in there, and one of them is that slow mo bike splashing. Beautiful. Well, and then we realized after we spent thirty minutes of me doing dangerous stunts into the river that I didn't have my backpack on the whole show, the whole, all the shots I'd had my back and I took it off for something. I think to go drive the truck. And then Mike hounded me about getting on the bike and I was like, fine, we'll get on the bike. And I got on the bike without the backpack. My favorite shot of that whole piece was you carrying the bike across the Creek. That's a really cool shot. Yeah. I mean, that was that. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. That shot sucks. That was a terrible shot for me to have to do. Yeah, oh, it because was so much to fun get for the me. bike down into that ravine was a was a pain. You do what buff. we do what it takes for the shot. I did what it takes, and they made me cross that creek like five times. Almost slipped and fell. It looks like that bike is light. That bike is not light. Oh, it's not. That is a heavy. You're just strong. You're bike. just strong AF. Manhandled it, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think to go on. <laughs> go ahead, Mike's. Uh, to kind of piggyback on to what Mike was saying about editing. Um, you know, I had a lot of a lot of people, they go, well, how do you get that good at editing? And I personally, I don't view myself as like an expert of editing. Um, 
I leave that for like the guys who are doing the Hollywood stuff, the guys who are editing, you know, at a level of which I can't even comprehend. Um, but you look at any other task and what it takes to be good at that task is doing it over and over and over again. I mean, I've been doing this and I've been blessed to be able to do it full time, basically right from the gun uh, for, I don't know, five years now. And so spending, you know, more than 40 hours a week in the production process, whether that's shooting or editing or planning for five years, for five years, you add all those hours up. I don't know how many hours that is, but it's a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. And I've put out and made, you know, I don't even know how many videos. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you put that, you not thousands, probably. I mean, I've shot thousands of video clips. Yeah. I mean, I think I personally have shot probably 30 terabytes of footage. Yeah. Um, which I guess, I don't know how many minutes that is, but it's a significant amount of minutes. Yeah. He probably had a thousand clips on that Rambo commercial. Yeah. That we shot. <laughs> exactly. With six cameras. Uh, we had six cameras, so. That was a thousand of the hours he's talking about. Yeah. So, wow. so you look at something like that, and I mean, if you were to go back and look at the things that I started with, I mean. I'm embarrassed. I'll never show any of you guys that. I don't care how much you ask. That's hidden deep, <laughs> same deep thing. in the bunker of YouTube, yeah. and you'll never find it. Same here. Um, yeah, I've, I've deleted most of that old stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I think most of the magic sauce in the equation to get good at shooting or get good at editing or get anything, good at photography, anything, yeah. anything is doing it and doing it over and over and over and being almost just obsessive about doing it well i think mike mike just got you just got your first paid gig right uh, photography photography yeah. what photography. dude that's 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 so. a start i mean he's gonna he's gonna get paid to go do something that he's learned about i mean that's that's what it's about you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah. take, take something that you're passionate about and you know, turn a passion into a profession. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. the motto of Redneck Tech was that's what we did as I turned a passion into a profession. Um, and whether that's your goal or not, or if it's just your goal, it's just just go take really cool pictures you can show your buddies or save forever to share with your kids when they get older. I mean, whatever the goal is, is you got to pursue it with, you know, whatever, you know, passion that is. And, uh, and, see what it turns into, you know. Um, I'm, hell, I never thought I'd be sitting where I'm at, you know, getting to make money producing hunting shows. Um, there's good and bad to it. I mean, we talk about the bad and the good and the... I think you... I think, like, it makes it makes even less sense for me that I'm here. Yeah. To me. Yeah. For, like, my entire life, I would have never, ever even fathomed yeah. that this is what I'd be doing. But you enjoy it. But I enjoy it, yeah. 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 But just a whole and you're good at it. Well, yeah. there's only there's um, only, I found one job though that Ryer would leave for, and that's got anything to do with aviation. So if anybody <laughs> has anything that comes up that we can go film something with airplanes and helicopters, please God call us. Look, if the air yeah. if the Air Force called me today and they're like, "Look, bro, we need you to fly a plane." Like at this point, I don't even care what plane. <laughs> when I was a younger man, I would have maybe held out for. Some sort a of go jet. fast jet. A go fast. But now, jet. if they're like, "Hey, we need you to fly a C seven, <laughs> Caleb, look, here's the deal. The Air Force wants me to go fly planes. Um, I'll take a camera, but I'm gonna, 
I'm going to go fly the planes. I'll be back in 10 years when I get too old and fat to do this. (laughs) Well, here's the, here's the thing. Yeah. If anybody has any projects surrounding planes, yeah, preferably that need in, like I have to be in the plane to film that. Like I like looking at planes, but really being in the planes is what I like. Rob Kenny. That was there. Yeah. His wife's learning how to fly. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Lagrange, yeah, I think well, he's Lagrange, Tennessee. There you yeah, go. we have a we have a, a airport here in Delonica. He could learn how to fly, and I told him he just needs to get his pilot's license. Well, I think I'm finally like settled in enough to maybe start looking at that. Speaking of looking at it, I don't know if I'm allowed to get a pilot's license with uh, a cross eye. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, oh, there, seeing there. two landing strips is not ideal <laughs> for safe for safe touchdown. <laughs> well. uh... So as my battery's about to die. Okay, well that's I'm about to wrap it up so anyway. If I, if I cut out, if I cut out, that's why. Okay, well I just wanted to. I mean I think I know the answer, but just for the people listening, so was the class worth worth the cost of admission and the time invested? You know, would you did you guys enjoy it and would you come back and would you recommend it for someone else? Yes, one hundred percent. Good. Your checks are yep. in the mail. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I said, teachers or like, teachers we teach. <laughs> I, I, said it from, I said it from the very beginning, like, you guys shouldn't be doing that podcast for free. So, I mean, that alone is worth the cost of admission to the class, but the class just adds so much value to everything that you guys talk about on the podcast, even getting to check out Ryer's organization, which – I'd like you guys to do another organization podcast. Like, that's I want you guys to. Right. That's that's this guy over here. I think I think what we need to do is we need to wait until we get our NAS set up. Yeah, because I'm going to organize that, Caleb. I know. Um, I figured you were. And, and once I organize that, then we can really. I think that'd be a fun little. Yeah, and I, Caleb, and will I never be able to find him again. Yeah, I know. I think as a student from the class, and I know we're wrapping up here. I think I'm pretty sure everyone else would feel the same way because um, I've heard it mentioned like. I want to get better. So if you see something I put out that sucks or something that looks like, Hey, you could do better here. Like, tell me, cause I want to know, I want, if you're truly my friend, you care about my development of what I want to go after, then tell me when something doesn't look good or something's right. And, um, that kind of stuck with me. I heard someone say it the other day, I was watching a video. I think it was Peter McKinnon actually. And they were talking back and forth about, Hey man, this doesn't look good. Like get someone's opinion. And, that's why we had that text thread and throw, you know, something in there like, Hey, what do you guys think? Uh, and just give that honest feedback because even though I don't ask for it, if you want to give it to me, I'm going to listen to it. Cause I want to know, you know, especially if you know what you're talking about, you've done it more than me. I want to hear that uh, feedback from you guys. Yeah, for sure. And sure. the the networking too, like Chris Gerlich, I, he's probably going to either come out West with me or I'm going to link him up with another buddy to go out West so he can get some experience filming out West. And, and he really likes Western hunting him and I were supposed, we're supposed to actually be on a call, but we're doing this. Um, so the networking too, right. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was, it was cool to see how not only you and Ryer and clay work at, on the professional side, but to kind of, for lack of better term, see how us amateurs work, like seeing Jared's, thought process in how he shot the video and edited it and, and seeing how Ernie's doing it or seeing what he plans to use the information for. Like the networking was probably worth triple the amount of the cost of admission alone. I mean, it's just, 
it's awesome to be able to now I have a, a network of people that I can reach out to and, and, and talk to and maybe collaborate with in the yeah, future. It's that's just been invaluable. The, to, that's been invaluable to me over the years too. I mean, that's kind of, kind of sort of how I got in hired Ryer and for sure how I got in hired clay. So, I mean, the class has been invaluable to me. I mean, I, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, if you figure in the time and everything, we probably don't make money on the class, but the value I get out of the class and the people worth every penny of it. Yep, just keep me in your sights six yep. years, and I'll be uh, retired from <laughs> Uncle Sam. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate it so much, you guys taking the time to jump on here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. No problem. Thank All you. Right. All right, guys. Peace. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yep, peace. Peace. <laughs>